This podcast is sponsored by the Davenant Institute and Davenant Hall, reimagining theological education. Visit davenanthall.com. The Davenant Institute seeks to retrieve the riches of classical Protestantism to renew and build up the contemporary church. Key to this mission is their educational arm, Davenant Hall. In an age where much theological education both overlooks the riches of church history and keeps students in debt, Davenant Hall is reimagining theological education. Davenant Hall takes full advantage of digital technology to make high-quality theological education affordable via online courses. Students can simply audit a single class or enroll in a degree program, including subject-specific certificates, PhD supervision, and the flagship MLIT program, which includes pastoral tracks for Baptist, Anglican, and Reformed or Presbyterian ministry. Enroll in classes at any time during the academic year. Knowing that in-person fellowship is key to Christian formation, Davenant hosts regular residentials at their study center in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of South Carolina. Registration for spring term 2024 classes running April to June is now open. Register by March 27th. Fees start at just $225 for a 10-week class with a two-hour Zoom class from expert professors each week. Spring term classes include Male and Female in Modernity with Alistair Roberts, The Reformation and the Modern World with Michael Lynch, Philosophy as a Way of Life with Joseph Minnick and more. Visit DavenantHall.com to find out more. That's DavenantHall.com. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Uh, thanks for your willingness to do this. Um, kind of want to talk about some of the topics that we're going to be discussing at the Blue Ridge Bible Conference. Sure, I'll, I'll do what I can. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. We're continuing our series on biblical authority, and we're particularly revolving this around the topics to be addressed at the upcoming Blue Ridge Bible Conference, which is sponsored by the Alliance. Our guest today is one of the scheduled speakers at the conference. He is a prolific and extremely influential author, professor of New Testament and biblical theology at Westminster Theological Seminary. So, Dr. Gregory Beal, thanks for joining us today. Sure, glad to be here. I wanted to start by asking this. If you were to look at the landscape of the evangelical church today, what do you see as the key issues regarding the authority of Scripture, just looking generally at the topic? Well, it's it's hard to make generalizations, so I can only um, make observations from my own exposure. I think... First, I do think that there there is uh, a, a movement which wants to see the Bible as authoritative, but not fully authoritative, that it's not fully inerrant. And um, some of these scholars and people are sincere Christians, but I think that the Scripture does affirm for us the, the, the full inspiration of the scripture, 2 Timothy uh, 3, uh, for example, and 2 Peter 1, uh, and so on. So, I mean, there is that. I mean, there there, there are some who want to see historical narratives in the Old Testament as sort of like Jesus' parables. They're not historical, but they convey truth, and therefore one could even call those inerrant. So even those who hold a full inerrancy do so in a very strange way. 
And then I think there are those who do hold to the full inspiration of the Bible, but for one reason or another, don't value it in their own personal life. Their, their, their moral and spiritual life needs to come up to their, uh, their thinking. If they really do believe the scriptures inerrant, then slowly, perhaps, but surely, they'll begin to inculcate scripture in their lives. So, you know, those are just a couple of, uh, of observations that I have. I think from uh, a ministerial observation, you do find pastors who they become so busy in the ministry that uh, they fail, perhaps after a few years or so, to really uh, prepare for the preaching of the Word of God. And um, when that happens, intriguingly, such pastors may obviously still hold to the inerrancy of Scripture, but again, if they really thought about that, they, they, they would see that they, they, they need, uh, they've been called as gifted teachers and uh, called to be, as um, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, uh, a workman diligently handling the Word. And, and that's important in that context because the false teaching in our context today is no different. And so I think that pastors, who though they may hold the right doctrine about Scripture, that it's fully inspired, could be more consistent in inculcating that in their lives and, and especially into their ministries. For when you don't spend enough time preparing for a sermon, let's say on Sunday, then I often say this, the less precise one is about the meaning of God's word, then the less precise will be one's application to the people about how to live out God's word. So those are a few observations uh, that I have. That's a really helpful way of, of starting it. And it seems to me that the burden of your addresses has to do with you know, applying the high view of Scripture that we have to our lives. So I want to start with meditating on God's Word. I, I wonder if you could address for us or define for us what the Bible means and what you mean when we talk about meditating on the Word of God. Yeah. You know, Mueller said uh, many, many years ago that when he would get up early in the morning and pray— that he would have a hard time. I'm sure a lot of us can identify that. I especially would have a hard time if I got up as early as he did. I think he got up like around four. I don't do that. But at any rate, um, I probably should. But he said he had a hard time uh, praying. And then at some point along the way, he found that if he read Scripture first, that it provided a context for him to pray within. And more specifically, what he would do, he would read a passage of Scripture. Then he would go back over it, and he would go back every through every verse, and he would personalize it and, and pray through it. Now, for example, the psalm, I'm preaching on Psalm 1, and it, it, it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. In verse 2, one can go back through and pray through that, saying, Lord, may my delight be in your law, in your word of Scripture. And so, Lord, give me grace to meditate day and night 
on your word. And so Mueller would do that. Now, not every portion of Scripture is going to be as, uh, you may not be able to pray through it as much as other parts, but uh, I think for the most part, we can. Uh, I think in historical narratives, you can read uh, you know, your paragraph units and then just try to get the gist of the thought and pray through that. But many passages of Scripture are very easy to pray through, uh, as, as the one that I just read. Now, that, that's just a comment on how um, one can meditate on Scripture uh, in your prayer times. The second level of that is to memorize Scripture. Now, there's an upcoming book by Andy Nacelli on interpreting the Bible, published with Presbyterian and Reformed. He is he thinks this is so important for Christians. He has a whole chapter on memorizing Scripture and tips for memorizing Scripture. I'd really commend that. This is something that we need to do in our churches, uh, in our discipleship, in, in, in every way we can to uh, help believers realize how important it is to memorize Scripture. Don't bite off too much at first. Memorize a paragraph of Scripture. And then once you've memorized it, let's say a paragraph of five verses. Start with that. As you memorize it, pray through it. And then as you're going throughout the day, maybe you're at the doctor's office, maybe you're in the car. All of us have those times. And pray through that Scripture. That, 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 that is continually thinking about God's Word. It's meditating on God's Word. I like to use the illustration of the cow chewing its cud. I don't know much about cows, but I hear that uh, the cow starts chewing the grass, swallows it, and it comes up one more time, and he chews it again. Uh, meditating on God's Word is a continual mental chewing on God's Word in, in this way. And as one begins to do that, then begin to memorize more Scripture. What are the benefits? Uh, you talked uh, about the benefits for spurring us on toward prayer and, and really shaping our life of prayer around our meditation on Scripture. What are, what are some of the other benefits that we, we have from meditating on God's Word? What happens when we meditate on God's Word are a couple of things that at least could be said. Number one. What happens is, as you faithfully and you're committed to this, uh, you are meditating on God's Word. Not your Word or the world's Word, but God's Word. And as you do that, slowly, perhaps, but surely, you will begin to think God's thoughts after Him. And as that happens... You slowly but surely will, as First Corinthians um, chapter two says, you know, increasingly have the mind of Christ. Now, what happens when that occurs is actually what Psalm two says happens after you meditate. It says, and He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season; its leaf does not wither, and whatever He does, He prospers. You begin to bear fruit in your life, fruits of godliness. In other words, you'll begin to reflect not only God's thinking, but his image and um, in terms of righteousness, in terms of holiness, goodness, justice, patience, love and wisdom, and so on. 
So those are a couple of uh, things that will result from uh, meditating on God's Word. And by the way, this is why I also think it's so important for churches on the in the Sunday service to have a good, solid New Testament reading, a good, solid Old Testament reading. This is something where some of the more liturgical churches, uh, they do it better sometimes than the Protestant churches, and this is something I think that we need to do. People need to hear the Word of God so that even in the worship service, our thoughts will be consumed with God's Word. Now, as we're as we're in the worship service, if we're hearing God's Word, or as we're approaching our Bibles in the morning or whenever uh, to open and read them, what kinds of things should we keep in mind as we open our Bibles or as we listen to God's Word? In other words, I I want to I wonder if we could shift a little bit from meditation on God's Word to just the receiving of God's Word. How should we approach that, and what? What kinds of things do we need to keep central in our thoughts? Well, I think we want to hear, uh, first of all, the pastor, the presupposition of receiving God's Word is that the pastor is uh, clearly proclaiming and teaching God's Word. And so the pastor needs to so prepare that he's communicating not his thoughts, but that he's convinced that what he is conveying to the congregation are God's thoughts. God's words. And so those hearing that in the congregation should, uh, especially before, perhaps even during the service, pray that God would uh, soften their hearts, open their hearts to uh, to receive God's word, that they would be transformed by God's word. I think that's the uh, the key thing. We're there to hear God's word. And that, that really is a mark of the Protestant service uh, from early on. You would have an upraised pulpit not to emphasize the importance of the preacher, but the importance of God's word. And so um, that, that, that becomes uh, certainly uh, the central part of, of the worship service. So you're assuming, uh, you know, for the sake of argument, you're assuming the pastor has soaked himself in the Word of God, and and so you're receiving it as God's Word. What if you're encountering God's Word in in a little more personal way? Are there things that we ought to do as receivers to kind of prepare our hearts, just as you talked about the pastor preparing himself for, for the preaching of the Word? Well, I just think people in the congregation should be in prayer to receive God's word. Now, something that happens at a number of churches, I think that's very important, is that people know ahead of time. They'll get an email, or maybe the prior Sunday, it'll be announced, at least during the the days preceding the sermon, what the sermon will be on. I think it's very important to read that, pray through it, and and pray that God would further speak to, uh, to you as you then go and and hear the message proclaimed. I, I do think also it's very important. It's important, I think, in our daily lives, but also church. In many churches, there is a time for confession of sin. And I think at that time, which happens at the Lord's Supper, but uh, some many churches usually only have that once every month, but during the time of confession of sin, believers ought to be confessing their sin. Because if we don't do that, then um, we're, we're more liable to have our heart less softened to receive God's word. 
Dr. Beal, last question. If if I wanted to learn a little more about the truthfulness of Scripture or about maybe more importantly how to how to study and approach it, these kinds of things you've been talking about with respect to meditation and receiving God's Word, what are some introductory resources that you would recommend? I know you mentioned Andy Nacelli's book, but are there any other resources that you would commend to our listeners? Well, I'll tell you, that is actually one that I would just reiterate. I mean, it's this this is written for the people in the church. It's written at a very good level, and uh, it is an approach to reading and understanding the New Testament. Now, he has a colleague. This is they both teach at the Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. His colleague Jason Drochi has the equivalent book, also coming out at the same time with Presbyterian and Reformed on the Old Testament. I would recommend both those books, quite frankly. I've just I've read Andy Nacelli's, and I really highly commend it. That's a, that's a great recommendation, and I appreciate it. Greg, it's always a delight to talk with you. Thanks for making time today, and look forward to talking to you more down the road. All right. Thank you. The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals is supported by donors like you. You can contribute on placefortruth.org or via alliancenet.org. And I want to say thanks again for tuning into Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. <laughs>